0: Find them online at explorehsv.com. They are Remax of Hot Springs Village at 1-800-364-9007 or online at explorehsv.com. Ike Eisenhower State Farm. Ike and his award-winning team have been serving the insurance needs of folks all around Hot Springs Village since 1998. Ike has qualified for State Farm's President's Club, Chairman Circle, and Hot Springs Village Insurance Agent of the Year. Call Ike Eisenhower State Farm today at 501-984-4100. That's 501-984-4100. Find them online at IkeEisenhower.net. Call them today for all your insurance needs because, like a good neighbor, Ike Eisenhower State Farm is there.
1: So Ryan when was the first time you saw your first feral pig outside? So the first time
2: I actually encountered a feral hog in the wild was one year when I was out bow hunting during deer season. Um I didn't really have a lot of experience with feral hogs at that point, but I knew them when I heard them, you know, they're pretty <laughs> in, you can't mistake a sound of feral hogs when they're coming through your area, but um i had no idea that the sounders could get as big as they do back back then. before i had a whole lot of experience with them but sure enough i had a group of probably 15 or 20 barrel hogs come in on me when i was bow hunting and they were making all kinds of racket and rooting around and stuff and i was just i was wishing that i had had a ar-15 with me so i could take out as many of them as possible i didn't even get a shot off with my bow because they never came in range but um, it was pretty exhilarating to see that meaning burrow hogs at one time. And just to hear the noise that they make, you know, out there rooting around and going wild. So, um, it was, it was quite the
1: introduction to it's, it's, it's hogs. halfway, but halfway between a bobcat and a pig. It's yeah. yeah. Anyway, it, it'll put your hair on end. That's for sure. Yeah. Dennis Simpson, hot Springs village inside out. Mr. Ryan Farney, Ryan, you work with the Arkansas game and fish, right?
2: Yes, sir. Yep. I've and, been employed with them for about three years
1: now. For about three years. And the reason that I even picked up with Mr. Ryan here is because I was watching one of the press releases that were actually closing down a wildlife refuge so we can dispatch some hogs. I mean, these things are a problem is an understatement. Is that the understatement?
2: Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's quite the understatement. And yeah, they're one of the, the largest threats to our <clears in throat> Arkansas. Um, when you consider invasive species, whether that be you know wildlife or plants, lots of scientists across the nation rank feral hogs right up there as number
1: one. And, well, I've and- seen the I've seen the video footage from places like Texas and whatever, and I mean, they literally overrun the place. It looks like, and, and I understand that. And and we were talking before I hit the record button. I, I had a fifty-five acre farm out on Lonsdale. <laughs> And uh, had a had ten mile creek rent right through the middle of it. Little did I know that was absolutely wild hog territory—hundred thousands, possibly tens of thousands of acres—and uh, it looked like somebody, like a gorilla, because it—you would have had to have been so strong. It looked like somebody took a pickaxe, dug it in the ground, and a gorilla drug it a quarter mile, and the ground is just—I mean—and we're talking shattered chirp with clay, kind of tough ground and it's just like it's been plowed,
2: right? Yeah. The analogy I like to use a lot of times when I'm out talking with landowners is this, think you had a box of hand grenades and you just started throwing grenades across your property. And that's what it looks like a lot of times, you know, you can get, you can get the rooting in the long lines, but a lot of times they're just basically plowing up the ground, digging holes everywhere. I mean, it's, It's it's pretty much just total destruction.
1: And and what are they looking for? Obviously, food, but what kind of food? Mm -hmm. Right. So, the
2: reason that they're doing that is because a lot of times most of their diet is composed of roots and tubers from specific plants, but also they really love grubs and earthworms and of the such. You know, they've people have done studies on their diet and which foodstuffs they will select and have, have preference for and grubs and earthworms win every single time. They'll put out different types of mills or corn or whatever. They go for the earthworms first every single time.
1: Do you think they can smell them, or how do they know?
2: I think that it's kind of like hit or miss. We're going to check here. We're going to check there. Um, and if they get onto something, because sometimes you'll have a little bit of rooting here, a little bit of rooting there, and nothing too extensive. You know, it they turned over the ground, but it's not just total destruction. And so I'm thinking in those situations, most of the time, they've tested it out. They didn't find what they were looking for, so they're moving on. Mm-hmm. But in other situations, you've got your entire field overturned. And in those cases, they have found what they're looking for. And they're going to keep looking for it in those areas. And that's when you get the really bad.
1: The and really if bad. that's obviously if that's obviously what they want, they're going to come back looking for it again.
2: Right, right. You know, so, they can put up some... They could root up an acre a night if they wanted to, easily.
1: Really? And and uh, for those that don't know, and that's why I was trying to to share the story here, I mean, it literally looks like not a deep disc plow, but it looks like you've taken a breaking plow and you've turned the soil over intentionally is what it looks like.
2: It's exactly what it is. You know, rototiller is an analogy people use a lot of times. Mm-hmm. Um, cause they're sticking their snout into the ground and they're turning the ground over just like you would, if you were going to till up the, till up the earth, you know, they're doing the exact same thing.
1: Unless if you wanted to grow something there where there won't be anything growing there tomorrow morning. Right.
2: Right. Right. Or if you're trying to drag a tractor or plow or something. then you
1: Right. You know, well, just, well, and, and so as I understand it, and I do not know these numbers, so I'm, I'm curious as I understand it, the real problem is not that there's a few hogs. The problem is, is that they breed nearly uncontrollably. I mean, apparently how long from gestation to what are all those numbers?
2: Right. So a lot of times in the wild research has shown that um, female feral hogs can have around two litters a year. Now, potentially in a caged environment where they have all the resources that they could ever want, they can have up to three litters a year. And, in the wild, again, we're talking about six to seven piglets per litter. So, one female in the wild doing what she normally does on average is going to have around 12 to 14 offspring every single year. Every year. Every year. Close to a deer that might have one or two a year. Right. You know, you're talking about exponentially more reproduction in the feral hogs than you are something like white tailed deer.
1: So so they prefer the tubular tubers and they prefer the the uh the grubs but they'll eat acorns when they're hungry is that I mean Oh yes, yeah, they will they will mop up acorn acorns or anything really. I mean
2: feral hogs are very opp- opportunistic in their diet. They're mm-hmm. on the horse They will eat, you know, uh any type of plant material that you know they find attractive or they'll you know they'll eat something like an invertebrate or a snake you know lots of studies have shown that they will eat snakes very readily so really i mean people have even noticed just you know as you know they're out monitoring their areas as they have seen a bunch of hogs come through and they notice they can't find any snakes anymore where they once would
1: really Mm-hmm. Well, and I, I, we had, I just emailed you briefly about this. I didn't ask, did you have any photos or any video you could share or um, I mentioned prob- that. And...
2: I probably do have something I could share. I don't okay. know about I, um, right this second, but.
1: Well, hang on just one sec. So Ryan, we're looking at a picture here that is basically, is that just crop damage or what? what is, is that corn or what is that?
2: Yeah. That, so this is a cornfield. Yeah. <clears throat> Pretty typical in areas where hogs are around agriculture, and sometimes it looks like this, and sometimes it's more um, hit or miss. Mm-hmm. Uh, in some situations, you get serious damage that looks exactly like this, and they, you know, they could be just in these areas running around and finding a place to lay down and rest, or they're actively eating you know, the corn off of the stock.
1: But well let's let's give this perspective. And I think that's the problem here. I mean, if this is a corn stalk, this could be each one of these could be three or four feet high. Oh easily. Yeah. yeah. maybe even a bunch of six, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So this area we're looking at, and if you look closely, the the corn stalks at this height still look kind of like trees. But I mean we're talking a quarter acre maybe.
2: I would say at least and this is a drone photo. Right. And- the thing to keep in mind here is that, you know, it's easy to see this stuff from the air with a drone, but when you're just out looking at your fields, whether you're riding around in a truck or a tractor or whatever it may be, you you could totally miss this and not even know that you have an issue until later on. And so this is i just I say that to say that that's one of the reasons that we've invested in and drone technology it helps us find the damage much more easily
1: but yeah i I can see that with this one area alone i don't know a whole lot about farming but i can tell you this one area alone hundreds of dollars maybe a couple thousand of just lost crops right yeah farmers can
2: lose thousands of dollars in a in a night if you get a large enough sounder that comes in and does damage like this um, it, it could be thousands of dollars within a single night and that just compounds as the hogs spend more time in there, and that's why they're so serious about getting the animals removed
1: out of these areas. Well, now, and and let me go back around real quick as we're getting ready to go to the next slide here. But but to, to go back around, you're going, you're having the reason we met met or, or connected is because some of the wildlife management areas not far located too far from the hot springs village here are going to have to be closed simply so we can try and eradicate some of the hogs. What what's this about?
2: Right. So. USDA is the federal agency that we work with that comes in and aerial calls some of our wildlife management areas. I being the Feral hog program coordinator work with our regional staff in different parts of the state to identify WMAs where the feral hog populations are the densest. These help we don't pay for the helicopter to come into our areas but USDA does. Mm. They want to be as effective with their time as they can be. And so we've got to identify areas where they're against us. We're getting the most bang for our buck. And so we identify these WMAs, and that's where we dispatch the helicopter. Through. And that's why we're shutting down access for um, one week, and the helicopter comes in and removes as many ferro hogs as possible on those areas.
1: So so let me put this in perspective, or not like I can, but ask you to put it in perspective so the wildlife management area just outside uh perryville in that area right well what is the name of that one
2: um i apologize you're kind of catching me off the
1: cut there i don't i don't know it's it's two words and i'm i'm blank on it right now but anyway i tried to cross from heifer, heifer farm and heifer international and all that the area where i'm thinking mm-hmm. uh but but the reason I, I asked that is because the the hogs don't know there's a wildlife management area nor do they care they see one food, so- food source to another and that area up there is located near a lot of water, uh, near lowlands, near, near produce, uh, near farms. What, what makes a wildlife re- uh, refuge area like that? So, I guess, uh, is it a magnet for, for the hogs? Um,
2: the management area itself is maybe not necessarily a magnet, but when you get all those different types of habitat together in and a, in a centralized area you know where there's a diversity of food and cover and water and everything that they really need to thrive they're going to find their way there you know Um, those are those when you get all that type of habitat together that is a magnet and now some of our wildlife management areas do possess all those qualities and that's why we have large amounts of feral hog tend to migrate there some of our wildlife management areas don't have everything that feral hog needs and so we have much fewer feral hogs in those areas
1: you know Um, well well, and you mentioned the first first story we started with was you telling a story about hunting or trying to deer hunt that day and all i could think was is you got a bunch of squealing hogs coming in and and trampling down everything and rooting up what they don't trample down deer are not interested in hanging around you probably didn't even see a deer that day as my guess no i did not have a
2: successful hunt that night Um, yeah They don't, deer don't like to associate with feral hogs very much. Um, If you have a large sounder like that come through, you're probably not going to see a deer for a while. And um, feral hogs, like I was saying earlier, I think when we weren't recording, they they out-compete about every other animal um, that they come in contact with, except for maybe a black bear. A black bear will probably run a hog off. But other than that, the feral hog is going to win when it comes to acquiring resources that they really want
1: so so what is it what happens do the, the hogs come into an area dominate it i guess semi-decimate their food supply or what they're looking for and do they they move along and and months later deer come back in or how does this well, even work
2: not necessarily so the animals can coexist to a point but you're never going to get them in close um relation to one another like they're not going to be um In the same field at the same time, most 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 of the time. Uh, now, if you've got a a property that's two or three hundred acres or whatever, then you very well may have feral hogs and deer on that property at the same time. That's that's nothing out of the norm. But to say that you're going to have feral hogs and deer at the same feeder, now that's probably not going to happen.
1: Unheard of, unheard of. Well, let, let's skip to one of the next photos that you were talking about. It's an absolutely fascinating area. Uh, And were these hogs brought in from Spain or what? I mean, were these domestic hogs that just went crazy or what? So
2: it's actually an interesting story how feral hogs originated or came to uh, North America. Uh, So the story is, is that, and this is not necessarily a story. This is what happened. Spanish explorers in the 1500s were exploring the new world and all of the research credits Hernando de Soto, the Spanish explorer, with bringing the first hogs to North America. And um, he arrived in Florida, made his way west down to Texas. Along his journey, they traded with Native Americans. um, They let hogs go. They escaped, whatever it was. And that is the basis for feral hogs in North America. And they've been doing their thing ever since.
1: So. Well, well, and and either one way or the other, we're not, the Hot Springs Village was founded on some of those names, DeSoto Lake behind me, some others. Uh, but if I'm not mistaken, we're probably not 15 miles either side of of the DeSoto Trail right now as we sit. But But we don't have any hogs like this, but places like these farmlands, man, this is kind of decimated, isn't it? Oh,
2: yeah. Yeah, this is kind of what you can expect to see. Like I was saying, if they find what they're looking for, and you know, this is an area where they have either they've they've really keyed in on the roots of these of these plants. And this could be wheat. Um, this could be Bermuda grass. Uh, I'm not sure exactly what this was, or they could have found a grub or an earthworm that they were really looking for. And this is the kind of damage that you can get in a single night. And this That's, is when they start seeing the economic loss.
1: You said a single night.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Right. This is what can happen.
1: Well, let me ask. So in my mind, in my mind, I'm envisioning this as wet woodland areas, maybe the the Delta East, uh, Little Rock to Jonesboro, you know, Little Rock to Monticello, that kind of thing. Or are they just everywhere?
2: Unfortunately, we find them in just about every county in Arkansas. Now, they thrive in um, bottomlands, wetlands, along rivers and streams in the riparian areas. Those are the natural places where you would find feral hogs. But unfortunately, because people throughout time have decided that they wanted something to hunt outside of deer season, they have trapped them and transported them to other parts of the state. Are and, you serious? Uh,
1: yeah. Well, yeah. Let, let's let's talk about the hunting part real quick. So, so <clears throat> is there open season on hogs all year round or what? So it's
2: separated between private and public land. We've got mm-hmm. different rules for those two different areas. Public land is restricted to a specific time frame in the um, deer, bear, and elk seasons, and so. On certain wildlife management areas operated and owned by Arkansas Game and Fish Commission, you can't take feral hogs at all, and regardless of the time of year. And on others, you can within this specific window. And so you have to look at the Arkansas Game and Fish Reg Book, and that will give you your WMAs where you can take a hog and then the time frame where that is allowed. So that's on public land.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, on private land, there are no restrictions on the take of feral hogs. You can take them day or night. You can take them with any type of method that you want to use, whether that be a gun or a trap, snare, dog, whatever it is. There's no restrictions. There's no limits. Um, it's no holds barred on on private land in Arkansas. So,
1: so I know, and, and I'm trying to help the, the non-hunter here real quick. I know that uh, the Game and Fish, who is a wonderful organization, and again, thank you for being here today, Ryan. Uh, but but Game and Fish, uh, for example, is is trying to keep the herd healthy for deer, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I'll say it again. People don't like to hear it, but, you know, well, we don't want to hunt Bambi in the village. I hear this a lot. Oh, well, don't shoot our little deer. They're so beautiful. I'm like, that's fine. You keep them off the hood of my car. Well, we won't have any problem, you know, and and they're like, no, there's not too many. And I'm like, you don't understand what happens. Okay nature either works it out or game and fish comes in and works it out. And right up here in the mountains behind me. And, and when you start in the Worcester National Forest, there's not a problem with game and fish coming out, taking an old car battery, knocking the lid off of it. Deer come up and lick it and die a horrible death. Would you rather have that? Or would you rather me shoot them and turn them into food? Your right. call because right. we're going to have too many. And and nobody wants to hear that. I understand they don't want to hear that. Uh, I'm just curious because I where I was leading with that. When we manage the hogs on wildlife areas, you're not trying to increase the breed or increase the herd. you're just trying to lower the numbers, right?
2: That's exactly right. Yeah, we actually take um quite a bit of flack and there's quite a bit of resistance to this idea that people from the public can only take for a hogs off of our management areas within these specific time frame. but We have sound reasoning for doing that. That's not just something we did on a whim. Mm -hmm.
3: Uh,
2: And the reason for that, if I have a second to explain, uh, is because back in 2016, we noticed across the state, not just in specific areas, but across the state, the take of furrow hogs on our wildlife wildlife management areas was open to everybody. There was no restrictions. There was no time frame. There was nothing. At the same time, the populations of those animals were increasing on our areas. We were seeing more of them, we were seeing more damage. The problem was getting worse, it was not getting better. And so we had to make a change. We had to do something differently. And at that time we were doing some trapping, but what we found a lot of times is that the individuals that like to take their rifles out or like to take their dogs out, they would key in a lot of times On the areas where we were trapping where we had corn out where we had a trap out because they knew that hogs were in those general areas and so that was a good place to start and if they had a successful hunt they may get one or two hogs that night and then they would be done and the other 14 that were in that sounder would be scattered to the wind so what we found was that we would do all work setting up our traps putting out corn and getting hogs to come in just to be thwarted three days in by somebody that released their dogs. And so our effectiveness at removing feral hogs on our wildlife management areas was very, very poor. And that's why we were seeing more hogs on our areas over time. Running dogs and shooting them with guns is fun. I will, I will not deny that. You can have a good time doing that, but it's not effective at reducing the population. So it's,
1: it's more onesie twosies than it is a bulk, right? And when, when you, when you drop a pin or you catch them in a cage, how, how many are we talking at a time usually?
2: Well, it just depends on the size of the sounder, but our, our mentality is that we want to catch the entire sounder in one drop of the gate, right? We've got, we've got the capability to monitor our traps live through our phones or our computers or whatever. And we make sure that we know how many hogs are in, and that every single hog is in that trap before we drop those gates.
1: Holy cow! Yeah, do, do, you ha- do you have any photos of that or you have other photos? I think maybe, yes,
2: yeah. I have a photo of some hogs in a trap that will demonstrate kind of what I'm talking about.
1: And by the way, just because I'm curious and I, I I don't truly don't know the answer here, is, are they good eating? I mean, I'd, th- I'd heard they weren't so great,
2: so I've heard mixed response from people um some some folks will say that it's delicious and you're crazy to throw it away and i've heard others people say that i wouldn't touch a feral hog with a 10-foot pole so i don't know honestly i i have in my life only had feral hog once and Mm -hmm. it was honestly before i ever started this position and i was in college it was sausage i didn't think it was that bad but it was sausage so I, i haven't had it since
1: I had a friend of mine who, uh, Kendall, who was the barber here in the village, and a wonderful guy. Unfortunately, passed away a couple of years ago. And he would talk about going to. Uh, oh, I'm trying to think of the fish that he would get out of Lake Washita. and it was a, it was a big fish, put up a good fight. And I said. How, how's it eat and he said well he said there's this red vein in there and he said you got to soak it in salt water for two days and then you cut that red vein out and then you cover it in buttermilk and then you bread it good with panko and then you got to wet that set a couple of days to get all the stink out of it and then you fry it up i was like hell man you could do that with with cardboard you don't have <laughs> what, what's the what's the deal in torturing a little fish just to, you know anyway yeah some of some things are not quite so tasty right right that's right
2: i don't know i mean i think it depends on the person if they like it or not so
1: so we're looking at what eight nine hogs here
2: this is a a typical sounder this is kind of what you would expect to see in most cases and um, this is a a screenshot from one of our live view cameras that i was referring and just to go back to the regulations on the wma real quick when we change from people can take feral hogs um, anytime they want throughout the year to you can only take them on certain wmas within a specific time frame mm-hmm. that happened in 2016 in 2017 our trapping effectiveness went up 240 are when you we, serious one year our effectiveness went up 240 across the state
1: and i understand no no and, and get it i i understand number one we have to have private places or private we have to have set aside places there's no question i mean we we have to have some organization there but on the second side of that i I know you guys have a lot of different contributing factors to make a decision as to why and i thought it was interesting that you you combined it with elk and what what was the other season bear elk bear and and yeah so it would be fair to say very clearly these hogs are predation is that an easy word yeah yeah okay but but bear and elk we want to prosper right
2: Sure, we want deer, bear, and elk to prosper. We want those populations to flourish. Um, but it's a lot harder for that to happen when you've got a large population of feral hogs in the same area. They consume cool. a lot of resources, they degrade water resources. I mean, it's they offer no ecological benefit to the to the landscape. There's you know, nothing preys on them uh they no they have no natural predators and so nothing can sustain themselves off of a feral hog except for maybe when you know they first have piglets or something so nothing eats them and they 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 contribute nothing they just take what they do
1: so give me some objectives here you're you're the you're the wild hog manager here mm-hmm. and you'd like to reduce this number 25% 50% 75%
2: yeah, well, 100 is the goal, right? I mean, we, we're we in Arkansas, we've got the Furrow eradication task force. You know, it's kind of in the name that we want to eradicate the population in Arkansas. That is a very, very difficult task, a very daunting task, just because 90% of the land in Arkansas is privately owned, and so. Sometimes you get landowners that are more than happy to work with you, and sometimes you get landowners that they kind of like the hog. They kind of want to keep a few around, you know, to hunt or whatever. And so, it's it's hard to it's hard to get eradication. Um, uh, it's hard to visualize eradication throughout the entire state. My goal in working with the game of fish is to. Eradicate the populations on our wildlife management areas first.
1: Sure, I, I can understand that. And in my mind, I'm thinking, keep a few around. Yeah, I don't see how you keep a few around if they had six to seven piglets uh, uh every six months. Yeah, now that's not
2: it's not really feasible. I mean, if you've got a few, you've got many. So it doesn't take long.
1: Well, tell tell me more about the the the, the basic structure. I mean. Why aren't there 50 here? Do, do they eat themselves out? I mean, what's what's their MO? What What's their standard oh, process?
2: So this is a typical sounder. Like I was saying, sounders are matrilineal groups. So you've got related females. So your bigger hogs here in this picture are probably all related females. Mm-hmm. And then you've got their offspring. And that is your typical sounder. The boars, they do their own thing. They travel large distances from sounder to sounder breeding and then moving on. Uh, But they do tend to be territorial. Uh, Mm -hmm. So they will occupy a territory and they will push other sounders out of the area. Studies have researched this, and that's typically what they find. Sounder territories will overlap where you have critical resources. So if there's, let's say, a pecan orchard, a lot of Mm -hmm. times you will find that um, home ranges will overlap in those areas. Or a critical water source somewhere, they'll overlap. But a lot of times they're territorial and they'll push them out. And so that's probably why we don't see more in this photo than what we are right now.
1: So this explains to me, and I had mentioned to you earlier that uh, on my 55 acres, I, I, I found 85 to 100 pounder that made out a squeal that would curl your hair. And all I could think was, is which tree has low branches around here? Because I'm ready to get, I mean, and, and you say territorial, they mean it. They're, they're not just kind of like woof, woof, bark, bark, stand back. I mean, they'll come at you. They don't have a problem with it.
2: Yeah, so... To other feral hogs, for sure. To other animals, for sure. Now, to a human being, on the other hand, a lot of times, if they encounter a human in the wild, they will not be aggressive to you unless you are being aggressive towards them. Right. So mm-hmm. if you are, um, if you are actively moving towards them. If you get in between a sow and her piglets, that's when they will tend to be aggressive. You know. Um, but if you if you're just walking a trail. And you tip and you see some 50 yards away from you, they're not going to slick their ears back and charge you. You know, they, they've got a flight or fight just like everything else. Yeah. They're going to choose flight if they can. You
1: know? So, so, where I, and I I made the wrong point there. I, I saw a lone male, uh, boar out in the wet nature, out, out in the woods. And then the, the, do you say they're called Summoners? Summoners. Sounders. Sounders, sounders. Sorry. So and and then so the females trape- typically travel in sounders, and and the boar males travel alone, basically. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. So, so you might have a, a, we we might have in this area we might have a, a boar passing through, but he's not going to decimate an area like a, a sounder would over here.
2: Typically not. Typically he's not going to do as much damage, but um, a a lone boar can can do plenty of damage, a lot yeah. more than you want in your hay field or in your food plot or something like that. But yeah. um, when you've got, you know, eight or nine individuals here, they're, they, they can definitely do a lot more damage. In the scene. Wow.
1: Wow. So did you have some more photos to show us? Yeah, let's move on to the next. One. Okay. And once again, Arkansas game and fish, I'm, I'm uh, Mr. Ryan Farney, you're easy to find, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're looking at, at uh, bacon and bacon seeds. Is that what that is? <laughs> Yes.
2: So something that we've not really talked about yet is so
1: zoom, zoom in there a little, if you would, Ryan, I'm sorry, because I know a lot of people are going to be watching this on smaller devices. There we go. Yeah.
2: So uh, what we have here is a, a smaller sounder, probably a, a portion of a sounder because we found three groups like this in the same field the day we were out here doing we were out um, doing some scouting. Um, But recently, the Wildlife Division at Game and Fish has invested drone technology. Hmm. Our drones have the capability to do um, your regular camera, take photos and videos like what we're looking at here, but we also have thermal options, which I'll show you here in a second. But this photo was taken from 400 feet in the air, and the hogs had no idea we were there. And that's the point. We want to be able to identify where they're at and stay um, unknown to them you know so we can go in and put our traps or we need to do a stalk and shoot them whatever it may be and basically it's it's a a tool that's cut down on our our time in the field looking for hogs
1: sure i bet well and and for everybody at home here tell me exactly what we're looking at there's a couple of sows and what
2: so there's this is these are two sows this photo was taken about 10 o'clock in the morning So there's two sows with all their piglets in between them here, and basically they're just sunbathing. And we knew that hogs were in this area, but we didn't know exactly where they were. And so we had the thermal on, and we found this group and three others in the same grass field, and they were just sitting there chilling. And so we marked their GPS coordinates with the drone, and then we went back in later and
1: we put up some traps. Okay. So, and and you said there were three of the, Now, what I'm looking at here. And for those that are listening, I'm sorry. um, It's a fall day, winter day, something like that. Obviously there's not a contrast between the animals and the, and the green grass. So for even from a drone, as a guy who runs a drone now and then this would be hard to see, but you mentioned infrared. Tell me more about that right so let's go on to the next photo for those okay sure 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 sure. because i'm looking with the naked eye at 400 feet i can tell you even i've got a big screen on my drone and i'm like uh i'd have trouble dissenuating you know disseminating the difference between those two right Uh, let's go
2: right here there we go so maybe zoom in on that a little bit so this is not the same photo obviously but this is kind of what we're talking about so in this photo we have the thermal pulled up on the drone and with thermal the heat signatures they pop very easily I mean it's, it's like looking at the sun at night you know I mean it's it's easy to distinguish a hog that's in a field as opposed to all the vegetation that's around it And so you can do that during the day as well. You know, as the sun starts to heat up the ground, it doesn't work as quite as well. But, you know, early in the morning we can still find them, and obviously we did. Um, But, you know, this works amazing at night, you know. And, again, it's just to help us cut down on time looking for these animals across the landscape.
1: So just try and find clusters of them if you can. Right. So so if you – if you let's let's say you're at a wildlife management area you mm-hmm. see these hogs and you say okay we're going to trap these but you realize there's a there's a very attractive farm next door you go over and knock on the neighbor's door and no, farmer's door and go we're trying to trap some of these can we have access can we drive through your 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 farm can we anything you know whatever we kind of had to do here and and you're saying sometimes you get support sometimes you don't that's exactly right you know sometimes hmm. the landowners there more than happy to help
2: because they they don't like the hogs any more than we do. And then sometimes you get the landowner that enjoys going out with his, you know, his AR-15 and, and you know, shooting at them every once in a while, and he doesn't want us to trap them all off. And so, I mean, we can't do anything about yeah. that. Sure. You know? we got to do what we can do. And um, so, you know, we, we just – we try to be as effective with our time as possible.
1: Sure. 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 Well, i tell you what, and I, we need to wrap up here. I know. And thank you so much for your time, Ryan. Is there anything else that we haven't mentioned or can we talk about how to get in touch with you? If we have any questions? Yeah. Let me stop my sharing. Real quick. Okay, sure. Thank you.
2: So, yeah, um, it's very easy to get in contact with me. Uh, you can just call the general uh, Arkansas game and fish number. I'm located here in Little Rock. My office is, um, but you can also reach me at,
1: um, 501 912 9541 912 9541 That's right. Okay. And we'll we'll probably post that in the bottom notes. That's right. right. It's a pleasure. And as as just the regular Joe blow out in the field. And thanks for what you do. Sincerely. I know Game and Fish is uh, people do not understand how important Game and Fish is in Arkansas in my opinion.
2: Well, I, I appreciate that. We we try to do our jobs as best as we can and um conserve the
1: resources as everybody's getting. community so. well, i appreciate that i tell you what it just dawned on me and i do want to talk I, i'd love to come back around maybe you can put me in touch with the reforce officers because in my mind i'm yeah. thinking we need to talk about why game and fish came about and where where we were before we had game and fish if you get my drift yeah, yeah. We, we had a problem back then ryan yeah. thanks again for joining us we'll talk to you next time okay thank you, sir. you have a good day thanks man
0: Thanks for watching and listening to Hot Springs Village Inside Out, a weekly podcast starring Hot Springs Village, Arkansas. Visit the website at hotspringsvillageinsideout.com.